it's 10 a.m. where we are right now. We're all drinking beer. We're all feeling good. Yeah. It's 5 thank o'clock you. somewhere. Thank you, li- thank you, Liquid Bread. <laughs> <laughs> for the excuse. Yeah, for the excuse to drink at 10 a.m. Although I could be drinking at 10 a.m. anyway. Just to be That's right. We're talking hops today. We're going to talk about hops. Hops are very important. Everyone knows, has heard of hops. Everyone knows the general idea of what hops are. Rich is going to give us a big old nerdy lesson on them. Um, uh, they are one of the evil laugh. Evil laugh. They are they are one of the four ingredients in beer. The main four ingredients of beer: water, malt, hops, yeast. Wait, 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 wait. What were the four ingredients again? Water, malt, hops, and yeast. Yeah, I knew that. I knew Maddie, that. that is a great recipe for beer. That's that beer. A very incomplete recipe, obviously, <laughs> depending on who those, you ask. Those are the basics. Things get contentious. But before we get into that, because I want to get into this, I want to talk about like different types of hops and stuff. Because you know there are those people who are able to, or they say they're able to like drink a beer and like taste which hops are are in it. Ugh. I got this big old list from Hops List from the Hops List of every type of hops that they have. There's about 170, I think, on this list. Larry, yeah, I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. Okay, and you're gonna name as many hops as you can all right as many types of hops as you can wait 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 you're giving me 30 seconds 30 seconds to name as many types of hops as you can 30 mm-hmm. okay all right let me see if i ready? can do this i did not tell you about oh, this beforehand this don't, is, don't google this is, ready i'm not, I'm not... <laughs> ready uh, okay set go chinook hops right is there something called chinook hops rich no, no. Okay, uh, Apollo hops, Agnes hops, Admiral hops. All right. I'm here at A's. <laughs> so you say you're going alphabetical order hey, from memory? Hey, look, I was I was prepared. I was prepared, so I got a bunch of stuff in front of me. But, <laughs> but then why did you say Agnes hops? Is that a Cas- hop? Cascade? Cascade is a hop. I know Cascade hops are real. Um, no, what's the one? Maybe it's not Chinook. It's that's the it's the one that. Uh, that's time. That's time, Larry. Oh, like Centen- Centennial. Centennial. After your first hop, you start pleading to the judges. <laughs> yeah. Just naming yeah. more hops. Yeah. Larry, clock's going, buddy. You get yeah. Terrible clock management skills. Yeah, Chinook um, is a hop. Chinook is a hop. You're right. <laughs> it's a very. It, I, I think they use it a lot down at Stone. That's why I know it. Because mm. I will. I'm. I'm pumped that you started with Chinook because that's actually one of my favorite hops, and it's sort of Me not too. very popular anymore because there are all sorts of other more exciting darling hops that are out there. But I adore Chinook. So you you, you did well, Larry. You, Good you job, named Larry. the one that mattered to me. You named you named one. I have a list in front of me. Galaxy. <laughs> Wait, you do? Such Galaxy. A... I know Galaxy. Rich, do you think you can name a bunch? Do I think I can name a bunch? Yeah, I can name all of them. I can't name 170. How many? Let's go. I can name a a handful. I'll give you 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. Oh, Uh, Apollo, Bravo, Eldorado, Galaxy, Chinook, Cascade, Centennial, Santium, uh, Cluster, um, Kent Golding, East Kent Golding, Bullion, Brewers Gold, um, uh, Styrian Goldings. yeah, uh, Saz, uh, Hollertau, Herzbrucker, uh, Perla, um, Saphir. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot. Um, I'm already blanking. Spalter, uh, Spalter Select, um, Hercules. Mosaic. Smarag, Time. Mosaic. <laughs> that was around 22, how, how I think. How much fun was that? Was that fun for anyone to listen to? That was to? excellent. I just wanted to give an idea of how many hops there were. There, there are a lot of hops out there. We're doing like ASMR. Wait, 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 wait. You wanted to give an idea and you thought you'd start with me? <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to challenge you first. 
the loophole of you having a computer in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> really, really threw it off. How, how about how about you do it, Maddie? How about oh, you do it? In, I'm not great at it. I don't know what to tell them. Uh, okay, I'll do it. No, and don't look at your computer. Don't look at your computer, and you can't say anything. How about that? Can't say anything that's already been said. No, you can say it. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be fair. So I don't sure. even. Know, I don't know many. I'll start it. Okay, so Galaxy, Citra, Mosaic, Cascade, um, Saz. Um, I can't say Chinook because we discussed it at length. I think that probably is where I end. That's probably where I like off of memory. Nelson. Nelson. And time. That's 30 seconds. Pretty good job. I got 15. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Anyway, well, that was a fun exercise. (laughs) That's actually how I wake up every morning. Yeah. (laughs) Push-ups and naming hops. (laughs) But uh, Rich, Rich is going to take us through what a hop is, what they do, why are they very important to beer, are they that important to beer? I mean, obviously, we know what the answer is going to be to that. Rich, <laughs> why don't you start us off? Let's talk about what this plant is. What is a hop? Okay. All right. So a hop is basically a flower, right? Think of it like a flower. It's not technically or botanically a flower, uh, and it's not actually, it doesn't grow on a vine either. A lot of people think it grows on a vine. Um, it grows on a vine with a bee, bees and boy. Uh, and a vine is like a vine, except that the way it climbs up or crawls up is is it twists around around stuff. So it'll twist around a pipe, it'll twist around a tree, um, rather than sticking like having stickers or suckers that that help it climb up. So like vines can climb up a wall, whereas vines can climb around a pole. So that's how they get up. And then the the flowers that we actually harvest um, are called strobiles or catkins. And that is the limit of my botanical knowledge of this stuff. I don't know much about what a, a strobile. You strobile, said strobile, yeah. Strobile or what or what? Catkin, C A T K I N. So, if there are any uh, botany nerds listening here, then uh, they they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, but, it's re- um, and it's but, related to uh, cannabis, right? Or it's in the cannabis. It yeah. It's in the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not. It doesn't have THC. It doesn't have CBD. It doesn't have anything like that. But. Um, it is botanically related. It's in the same family, family Cannabaceae and Cannabaceae, something like that. And uh, there are three uh, genuses uh, within that family. And one of them is the genus Humulus, which is uh, for hops. And Humulus lupulus is the name of the hop plant. So it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have the psychoactive drugs that, uh, that cannabis does, but it does have a lot of the um, same essential oils and terpenes. So if you're into weed, uh, into sort of that, you know, set of... Dank, oniony, skunky aromas, or all those nice floral aromas that you get off of off of weed, and like pineapple and bubblegum stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of crossover with uh, the same uh, essential oils that you can get in different hop flowers. Yeah, there's a lot of fun crossover there. And they look like they basically um, look like little nuggets, sort of like they're they are like a, I guess they almost look like an, a green acorn in a way, like right, like kind of. That's a dumb. That's probably an not acorn. The best acorn. They almost look like a little green funny. acorn, right? They, they are like a little small. I, I agree. It's like a little that, small green that's acorn. That's kind of what yeah. they always look like to me. But like they're green, they're, and obviously you can grind them. Like they they grind yeah. up, and they're, always, it's a flower. But yeah. I mean, similar, similar. Yeah. Well, there's crossover. It's I, this is just new to me. I've been teaching <laughs> stuff about this for for you know a decade and a half, and I haven't heard acorn yet. But I usually liken them to like a, a little pine cone, sort of like a closed up pine Whoa, cone. Oh, I think. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did we say? What did we say? Did we say acorn? Yeah, you said. Acorn. I was I was thinking pine. Cone. Oh sure, Larry. Sure. I, I, no, I honestly. No, no, I, no, no. I, but I, honestly, I was thinking. Larry pine bailed cone on because me because like, like even in Louis, I did bail because like even in Louisiana <laughs> before the pine cones turn uh, 
brown, you can get some that are green. Yeah. And it yeah. looks like, it, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty big and kind of cone shaped, but they're, hmm. I, I would say a smaller version of that. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm getting old. So acorn <laughs> pine cone in my head until I hear the right word shit happens, you know? Well, well said. Uh, yeah. So they're, yeah, they're like big ones are sort of the size of your thumb and smaller ones are maybe the size of your pinky say. So that's kind of the range of different sizes when they're mature, you know, so they can grow up to like maybe two and a half inches long. Uh, when they mature but you know when they start out uh well so yeah so they grow i will say i sorry real quick i was i i'm looking at these pictures of hops and they look way more like pine cones than acorns <laughs> they don't I'm, look like acorns. I'm from the southwest they they I, we have cacti southwest I, where they've got tons there's of a little but there's a, I, but there's a little bit of an acorn like if the top flowers are like unfurled it looks like the little hat on the guy you know that's what an acorn is <laughs> The hat of the hop. A little hat on a guy is a little acorn. They're really interesting. They grow, um, they're, they're perennials, right? So they they live basically underground during the wintertime. And then in like March or April, they start to sprout up a little bit. And then they uh, are harvested in September, basically, you know, depending on your the temperature and your climate, you know, August, September, October. So they're harvested once a year. Um, and people liken them to grapes in that regard because they're a, a, an agricultural product that has a lot of character that is lent, um, you know, one one harvest a year. So during that summer, though, when they, when they grow, they grow just bonkers because they end up, you know, some of them get up to like 20, 25 feet in height. So they've got to grow, uh, you know, 25 feet in, within a couple months. Um, and so like wow. in June and July, uh, you can, if you really had a chill personality, I guess you could sit down and watch them grow because they have to get up to like, you know, sometimes, you know, a couple inches a day. So it's, uh, it's serious, serious growth that they're putting out. And those months, I should say, are, are flipped in the Southern Hemisphere. So the Southern Hemisphere certainly uh, grows great hops. New Zealand is especially famous, uh, Australia as well. Um, South Africa has some hops, uh, certainly in places like South America as well. Um, though those hops aren't as famous on the global market, they're not they're not shipped to American breweries to brew with. But American breweries certainly will brew with New Zealand and uh, and Australian hops. Um, interestingly, they were getting excited about brewing with South African hops until a very large brewery. I honestly can't remember. I think it's I think it's Anheuser Busch InBev um, sort of got a bad rap in the industry because they bought up um, contracts with all of the South African hop farmers. And so if you have a beer with South African hops, it's probably an Anheuser-Busch InBev product. Mm. If you're a craft brewer um, that wants to use South African hops, you got squeezed out of the market back in like 2016. So kind of an interesting cornering of the market. I have a question and I want to ask you real quick before we jump in because you were saying they're, they're related to cannabis. Is mm-hmm. the, Are there beers where people use cannabis uh instead of or or with in conjunction with hops yeah yeah come on to my uh, apartment in san francisco in uh, 2007 and uh, i had a homebrew <laughs> with that no uh commercially though yeah there are uh cannabis products that are used in beers uh because cannabis is not federally legal at this point yeah, yeah. Um, and because alcohol is a federally regulated substance uh-huh. sure um, there are no alcoholic beers that have thc in them I see. Okay. But there are some non-alcoholic beers that do have THC and they are sold through dispensaries, through the legal, yeah. you know, state legalized cannabis system. But it's but it's not impossible to create it. No, 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 no. Not not at all. Uh, I mean, and something we're going to get into, I assume, um, in this episode here is that hops are they're a plant, you know, throw them, yeah. in, a, throw them in something and boil them up for a while. and You're going to get some of their flavor in there. And if that turns into a beer. Then great, but you can also make a beer with other plants, and you can also use hops in non beers if you want. I you see. Know? 
I see. So, that, was, that was my next question was going to be, would it still be considered beer? Mm-hmm. Well, it would. So the, the legal expectations of what beer is uh, really change from region to region. And some places actually have laws about like what goes into a beer and what cannot go into a beer and I still have it be regarded as a beer. Some, sometimes it's just cultural. So like in Germany, you know, it's famous for the Rheinheitsgebot law, which states that, you know, beer can only be made from water, malt, hops and, and yeast. Uh, that law is not only interpreted differently for different regions, but it's also been struck down as um, protectionist and like anti uh, whatever, anti-commerce or whatever, um, by the European Commission. And so that law doesn't is, exist anymore. And so a lot of Germany doesn't care about that stuff. But Bavaria, culturally, still cares about it a they lot. They still care about it and a so lot. So they still brew beers. Almost every brewery in Bavaria brews beers according to the Rheinheitsgebot. So, of course, they have hops in them there. And, of course, they don't have marijuana in them. But in a place like Belgium, where they're used to putting all sorts of different stuff, spices and fruits and roots and things like that into their beers – they, they don't have a legal uh, definite. Well, you know, actually, I take it back. They might have a legal definition of beer, but they it's very loose. Can you so, can you can you say that word again, but slower? Rhein Hatzgebot. Rhein Hatzgebot. Rhein Hatzgebot. So Gebot means I like I wasn't too low. far off. You did, you did well. You did well. Um, <laughs> and then Rhein means pure and height means like pureness, purity. So it's yeah. Like OK, cool, cool. Um, and that is a. I love talking about the Rhein Heights Club. That's its own episode. I would love to get into that. Yeah, we definitely touched on it a few times with, um, yeah, Oktoberfest. We've touched on. Yeah. And Pilsner and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Those Germans and their purity Um, laws, huh? That's right. But actually, to to color in the lines a little bit more on the the, uh, cannabis stuff, you certainly can get alcoholic beers brewed legally in the United States that have CBD in them, as well as beers that have um, cannabis derived terpenes and so some of those you can't really tell the difference i mean it's up to the brewer basically the brewer as artist can isolate certain terpenes from cannabis and use cannabis products that end up making the beer smell like the same terpenes that are in hops and so you might not be able to tell the difference there's not a real business reason that a brewer would do that a brewer if they're going to pay the money to you know work with a cannabis company to have cannabis in the beer you know have cannabis aromas in the beer they want to sell it as a cannabis beer and so you want to end up smelling some of the the skunkier you know uh more resiny parts of, of marijuana as well but um but yeah certainly you can flavor a beer with marijuana without actually having thc in there gotcha. wow. wow um and one yeah. last thing about the plant like where do they so when we were in Bersel, when we were in Belgium, we were like walking down a path, and I always call this Rich's Disney Princess moment, where like we're just kind of walking, and Rich is talking, and then just out of nowhere, he's like, "Oh, here are some hops," and he just like gestured <laughs> to his right, and there was just like a beautiful bine of hops growing there, and they were like beautiful, big, fresh ones. And Rich, you like plucked them off, and you kind of, you know, you smush them up, I guess, to you know release the aroma, and we all smelled them and all that stuff. <laughs> is that typical that they're just kind of growing? almost like weeds in that way? Like, are they just growing up all over towns yeah. and stuff? So do you know, if you've been to the South, you know about kudzu. So kudzu is this like vine that grows everywhere down there. Larry, are you familiar with kudzu? I, I, I mean, I might be. I don't know if I've ever heard. I don't know kudzu. kudzu. Yeah. Well, I've been, I have a lot of family down in South Carolina, so I spent a lot of time down there. It's everywhere down there and driving there from Chicago where I grew up, you know, we go through, uh, you know, Tennessee and North Carolina and, and uh, South Carolina. And um, yeah, it's just, it's all over there, but I'm looking at it. I know it. Yeah. Okay. You recognize it. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so hops are similar. They're just this like really, 
I don't want to say aggressive because it makes it sound bad, but they're like this really, you know, aggressive, pernicious, uh, you know, weed that grows everywhere. And because they're a bind, they're able to climb up and around and over other existing plants. And so if, you know, you're just out in a field, like a field of, of barley and you plant a bunch of hop vines, they're not going to do much because they, they've got nothing to climb up. But once you're in a, any sort of place where they can climb up, they really establish themselves. And unless they're cut back at the end of the harvest, you know, at the end of the year when they die, then they just dry out. And so they form leaders for the next year's hops to climb up and climb around. So when wild hops start growing, they, they continue year after year to just climb up over the, over the stalks and the brown hops from the previous year. So yeah, they really grow everywhere. And um, I spent a lot of time in Italy, which is not really famous for its hops or famous for its beer culture yet. Uh, but certainly the craft beer scene in Italy is blowing up. But um, hops are just everywhere around Italy. It's crazy. They're just, they're everywhere. And so I love going there as a beer guy and being like, ha, see, you know, <laughs> beer, beer should really have, a, have a, an established place in this culture. Um, but yeah, so hops do grow well in a lot of places, but as far as using them for, um, for beer, for like the refined aromas, as well as predi like predictable um, agronomic uh, standpoint, like being able to make sure that a farmer can grow them year to year and make money on them, you know, they're in good condition and that they're not going to suffer from, uh, you know, blights and mildew and mold and stuff like that. You know, there are only a few areas in the world that are really sort of the the principal areas for commercial hop production. And those places typically are, well, the most famous ones are the Willamette Valley in Oregon, Yakima Valley in Washington. Um, they're grown a little bit in uh, part of the Snake River Valley in Idaho, uh, but also places like Germany, Czech Republic, uh, Poland, um, you know, the UK. Ever heard of these places and think beer? You know, th these places have, um, you know, really successful hop industries. Is it is it like a particular places. condition that is, is just like, yeah, great yeah. Or? and I'm, you know, I'm not a farmer, so I don't know all this stuff yeah. that well, but I know you need a lot of sun, you need um, decent drainage, you need plenty of water, but also decent drainage. So if you have a lot of clay soils and you get a lot of rain, it's not going to be good for your hops because the I water see. can't drain anywhere. I see. So yeah, you need a lot of sun in the summer, you need good heat, um, you need good drainage. Maybe it's sort of like places that where like tomatoes grow. We're growing some tomatoes. I shouldn't say we, my wife is. I wish I were more active in this, but I've been pretty lazy about it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so so maybe tomatoes, tomato places are good for hops too. I'm not sure. Well, what, if someone's, um, someone's yeah. homebrewing, would it be crazy to grow your own hops? Is that, is it, it, would it be like worthwhile to get like the fresh homegrown, other than your personal satisfaction and having you know, done it yourself? <laughs> yeah. So the issue is the quality. You can't be guaranteed that you're going to get good quality if you grow them yourself. Um, you know, unless you're a good farmer or gardener, you know, you, you might not know what you're doing. And you might be a great farmer or gardener, but you just live in the wrong place. Your, your soils are wrong. You don't have enough sunlight or something like that. So I can't promise that the quality is going to be there. Um, also, you need a lot of hops to add bitterness to a beer and to add aroma to a beer. Um, I'm probably going to say later in this episode that you don't need a lot of hops for bitterness, but it's, mm -hmm. it's all sort of relatives, but, but relative, excuse me. But if you grow a couple binds in your backyard, you're not going to get enough hops to, to affect the character okay. of, of a five gallon batch of, of homebrew. I so see. you need a lot, but, but on the flip side, rather than growing your own to, to brew your own beer, there are a lot of breweries really all over the world at this point that just, you know, they're small enough breweries, so they don't need tons and tons of hops uh, for a batch excuse me, for a batch of beer, but um, they will just put a, a call out around town. They'll hang up posters around town and say, hey, everyone who has hops growing anywhere, pick them and we'll all, you know, bring them oh, to cool. the brewery on this day and we'll all just dump them in the kettle and see what happens. And it's like the community oh, that's, that's hop cool. beer. Yeah, it's That's fun. really cool. That's really cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome. All right, cool. So let's get into it because, Rich, I know you're dying to really get into the brewing part of it. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll start with a little history background. So we had way back when we had Groot. I am Groot. G-R-U-I-T. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the ale that basically that basically was beer before hops were introduced. Mm-hmm. I, I, it kind of seems like there was like a variety of random different ingredients used. Herbs it was very and, yeah, inconsistent, and a lot of a lot of everywhere says it tasted gross. Um, or <laughs> I, mean, I guess we don't totally know what it tasted like, so maybe it magically tasted good somehow. Mm-hmm. But then came along, someone figured out hops, and Rich. I'll let you take over right here. What made hops so special? <laughs> well, Maddie, you know I can't take over right there. I have to back up and add what you I love it. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nothing is simple. Nothing is simple. And I like to make things extra complicated. But basically, if you are, you know, if, if you got something growing in your area uh, and you can't eat it, uh, you want to figure out some way, some way to use it. And so something like barley, uh, if you have a lot growing around you and you eat it, you know, during the summer, but then harvest time comes and you've got a whole bunch of it at harvest time, um, you want to brew with it. Okay. You want to do something to preserve the harvest and Hey, if it gets you drunk, that's even more fun. So that's, that's sort of the, the typical way of using something like grapes or barley or something. You turn it into a beer or a wine or cider, you know, you get from apples. Um, if you want to, if you've got other plants growing around you, why not differentiate your your fermented product uh, by adding these herbs or these flowers or, or whatever to, to change the character of it? The difference there being that hops are not fermentable. They're really just there for flavor. Uh, they also add stability to a beer, meaning that they actually add, um, and brewers didn't know this uh, way back when, but they add antibacterial properties to a beer, or they have, excuse me, they have antibacterial properties. So they help to keep a beer from going south. Mm. So if you have a whole bunch of fermentable stuff, though, you might even combine it. So... Uh, you could have a beer like, you know, way back in like, you know, ancient, you know, the Hittite uh, empire in, in modern day Turkey and places like that. You would have a beer that had, uh, you know, barley and wheat and rice and, um, you know, and grapes and honey in it, you know, and, and fruit, figs, you know, whatever. They just knew that if you combine all this stuff, you end up with something that, uh, you know, preserves the harvest and gets you drunk in you know January and February before things start growing again. Um, so the idea that beer has to have hops or that beer that grew it is beer without hops and people didn't know how to use hops when they were brewing with grew it. That's, that's not really a fair or constructive way to look at it. It's more just like what the hell is growing around you and how do you use it in a creative and potentially economic way, you know, and eventually, um, industry formed out of this stuff where you could brew this stuff and sell it. And whether that was brewing it in your in your kitchen, your your basement or something like that, or if it was actually working at a commercial brewery somewhere, the beers that sold the best were the beers that were predictable and could last longer. And so if you're brew if you're brewing a beer with a bunch of yarrow and bog myrtle and and uh, bog myrtle. You know, rosemary and stuff like that, <laughs> you yeah. know, those flavors are interesting. In there. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, is are there any are there any places that are doing a a, a gruet like that? Yeah. that brew really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's still a style of beer that's brewed, you know, sort of as a as an interesting expression or an interesting product by craft breweries. There's a there's a brewery. I don't know if they're still open, but for about ten years or so, when I was going to um, Belgium a lot before the pandemic, there's a brewery in, in the city of Ghent that's called Groot or Groot is how they pronounce it. G R U U T. And it's an all Gruet brewery. Um, so it's definitely a commercial product nowadays. It's not as popular um, as standard beer. And it also doesn't have that preservative quality that, that hops add to a beer. I so, am Gruet. 
-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Gruet, you know, became, there's not a specific herb blend or botanical blend that that is Gruet, but Gruet was like an accepted blend of herbs that was added to, to beers in different areas of like, you know, England and, and modern day Netherlands and modern day Belgium. Uh, places like that and it was it changed from place to place based on a little bit of what they could get and what was growing there but also a little bit of something that might have been sort of imported or controlled somehow by the by the authorities and so that was, that authority in that part of the world way back when was usually the catholic church and so the local church would um establish the the gruet like stockpile and the recipe and you had to buy it from from the church if you wanted to be able to sell this beer and so the church you know got you know, they, they got in on the, on the game basically that way. Um, so Gruet, yeah, there's not any one accepted thing that is Gruet, but typically, but the, yeah, the, the classic. But the, but the introduction of hops uh, drastically changed things mm -hmm. because it made things more predictable. And <clears throat> it also helps, to, I mean, like you said, later on, you realize it helps to preserve and a whole right. bunch of things. Well, that's, that's what helped to make it uh, predictable. It helped preserve the beer so that the yeah. beer tasted pretty similar on day one as it did on day you know, 30 after it had been released. You know, you know hops became an important part of uh, sort of economic Darwinism in that, you know, the beers that sold the best and the breweries that were able to stay alive and make money and not close down uh, happened to be the beers that typically were brewing with hops. And so in in England, back in like the 1400s, it's kind of when hopped beers started to become more widely adopted. And the, those were typically called beers, whereas ales were typically either unhopped beer or beer with a, a low amount of hops. So oh, they're only wow. slightly hopped. So ales typically were consumed pretty fresh because they would go, they go crazy on you. They go sour, they go weird, they go earthy and wild because they didn't have these preservative qualities in them from the hops. Um, so that was ale. Ale was always something you drank really fresh because you couldn't count on it lasting, whereas beer had a little bit more stability to it because of the hops that were in there. So that's just England for its use of the, the terminology ale versus beer. I don't want to I don't want people to take away from the show that like, oh, beer means hops. Ale doesn't. That's yeah. just in the 1400s in England. Then we're not talking other places, too. But anyway, yeah. So hops were, were you know, they're from the. Uh, they're either from the, the like the steppes of, of Asia, like the stands, you know, Kazakhstan and places like that, or they're from, um, you know, like like the Levant and, and what we now call the Middle East. But regardless, um, they were brought into Europe from from Central Asia and they sort of made their march northwest from from there. You know? And so England, um, as a brewing culture, started using uh, hops later than the Germans did. The Germans got hops first and. You know, the the, um, the Balkan states got them prior to that, you know, so you can sort of trace the, the march of hops through beer um, with, uh, you know, sort of from a geographic standpoint, you know, that just went from southeast to northwest. And then what that's left us with is this legacy of hops playing a non-fermenting role in beer where they add bitterness and they add flavor to complement the fermenting, uh, the flavors that you get from the fermenting products, primarily barley or wheat, you know, some sort of grain. Yeah. So um, if you make a, a beer that has no hops whatsoever, you have a beer that tastes exactly like all the grains that are in there and potentially other interesting fruity or spicy or earthy flavors that were introduced by the fermentation itself, by the yeast or the bacteria that might be in there. But you don't have any real uh, reliable source of bitterness or uh, botanical aromas like herbs and grass and, and things like that. And so that's what hops will add, especially from a European standpoint, where the hops aren't super like fruity aroma. 
Um, when you talk about like modern IPAs that smell like fruits and stuff like that, that's a lot of hops that are coming from the U.S. and New Zealand. And, and we're probably going to get, I mean, I mean, you're probably going to get to this, but also during the brewing process, when you add the hops also dictates uh, yeah. the kind of bitterness that, right? Yeah. yeah I was going to say, why don't, why don't we do that? Why don't we talk about that? And then why don't we talk about the brewing mm-hmm. process? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, why don't you talk about where in the process do we throw in the hops? So or where so, can we? Yeah. So the, the, there are two primary times or places that hops are used. Hops can be used whenever, uh, but you might sort of just be throwing them away if you're, if you use them at, at different times. So the main times that you get the most economic bang uh, for your buck as a brewer, but also the, the times you get the most flavor and impact from the hops are at the beginning of the boil. And the boil is the boil, when, you yeah. have, when you have all your, well, it's hard to talk about this without describing the whole process. Basically, imagine- yeah, You can go step-by-step step kind of through the, yeah, yeah, go through it. So so make, make a cup of coffee, all right? So you start with ground, you know, coffee grounds and you steep them in hot water, okay? For beer, you're doing the same thing, except instead of using coffee grounds, you're using ground up grain, okay? Usually barley malt, um, as well as some, you know, maybe wheat malt, maybe rye, something like that. But in general, we're talking about um, using some sort of ground up grain, steeping it in hot water. And that's the brewing process. Okay, when you talk about brewing a cup of coffee, or brewing a cup of tea, a cup of tea, you're steeping grounds of some sort of plant product in warm water. Okay, and then you want to imbue that water with all the flavors and the color of whatever you're steeping it in. Okay, that's and the water and the water is absorbing the sugar from whatever you're. Yeah, I mean a lot of stuff, but also sugars, which make it ripe for when you're mm-hmm. gonna. Yeah, yeah. You want to get the color from uh, from whatever you're using. You want to get the, the the flavor and the aromas, but you also want to get the sugar. And that sugar is what is actually going to ferment. So the flavors and the color don't end up, um, they don't change that much during the fermentation. They just, they're, they're persistent. Whereas the sugar is what really changes during the fermentation because the yeast eats the sugar and turns it into alcohol and carbon dioxide and other, other stuff. So that's the fermentation. So I was talking about coffee or, or tea or something where you're steeping a plant product in hot water. That's the brewing process. And then we've got to somehow ferment this stuff to actually end up with beer okay and so that's the fermentation process but between the brewing and the fermentation is another step and that's what we call the boil okay and so what happens is brewers will filter out all of the spent grains all the you know the husk and the the cellulose and all the all the stuff that's that's left behind in the barley that the that the beer can't use or the brewers can't use, that gets filtered out um, through a step called the loutering process. The louder ton, the louder process um, ends up stripping that stuff out. And you're left with uh, your barley tea or your barley juice, basically. Okay. And it's really sweet. It's full of sugar. Um, and you end up boiling it. And that process does three things. First of all, it sanitizes it. So anything that might be living on the barley um, ends up getting cooked and killed. Uh, so you end up with starting your fermentation with a clean fermentation, a clean slate, basically. So you want to sanitize it. So you boil it for, you know, sometimes an hour, sometimes 90 minutes. Um, there's some there's some beers where you might boil it for longer than that or for shorter than that. But most of the time, it's about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, you also end up coagulating a lot of proteins. Boring science talk here, I know. But basically what you're doing is you're uh, making it so the beer ends up being a little bit clearer, more refined by boiling out some of the solids Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, that you get it's sort of like making barley tofu (laughs) and you scoop out all that tofu but the third and most important thing that people talk about is the impact of of hops at that point so during the boil when you add hops to a roiling vigorous hot boil then you end up driving off a lot of aroma from the hops which is kind of fun as a brewer it smells good in the 
but that's not good for the beer. You're not getting any aroma from the hops in the beer. So why would you do it? What you're doing is you're removing that aroma and you're doing this process called isomerization of the alpha acids in the hops. Okay. Mm. That's geek talk. But what we're doing here is we are <laughs> trying to make it so that the bittering components, the most um, prolific bittering components in the hop flower, which are called alpha acids, end up changing their chemical or actually it's really their physical structure so that they can become um, dissolved or soluble and persistent in the in the beer. Yeah. Okay. And so what that means is we're adding bitterness to the beer from those hops. And if you add one pound of hops, okay, imagine you got, you know, uh, you're doing one barrel of beer, that's 31 gallons. Okay. So 31 yeah. gallons of beer, if you add one pound of hops, one pound of hops to that, you're going to get X amount of bitterness. And if you add two pounds of hops at the beginning of the boil, you're going to get twice as much bitterness. If you have three pounds out, you're going to get more bitterness. But also, I'm sorry. So, but also, like the amount of time you actually boil it, Mm -hmm. does that like because like you know like you have the 60 minute IPAs and 90 minute IPAs. So the longer Mm -hmm. you boil it too, does it absorb more bitterness? Is that the yeah? There's a utilization curve that kind of tops out at about 60 minutes. Okay, Um, it's kind of just coincidence that an hour is kind of the the natural limit of how much isomerization you can get. But if you add hops. Uh, to your so say you have a 60 minute boil and you add hops at the beginning of the boil okay you're going to get the most amount of bitterness that you can possibly get out of those hops if you add hops at the last five minutes okay or at ah. flame out that's what a lot of brewers talk about adding hops at flame out which is when you cut the heat to the boil you're going to get the least amount of bitterness from those hops and you're going to retain the, the most amount of their aromas so that's a way of getting you know a lot of hop aroma without getting a lot of hop bitterness in there between that 60 minute and that zero minute addition, you've got all the, you know, all the possible combinations out there of bitterness versus hop aroma and hop flavor. And so something like Dogfish Head, 60 minutes, uh, 90 minutes, 75 minute, uh, 120 minute, all those different IPAs, they're limiting themselves to the bitterness after, you know, once, once they hit minute 61, hops that were added, you know, 60 minutes ago aren't going to get more bitter in there. But what they do is they add hops continuously ah, throughout that boiling process. So ah. they they get they dot their I's and cross their T's and get every single permutation possible of bitterness and aroma from all the hops that are added throughout. Wow. So it's a much it's a very layered approach, wow. I guess. Wow. Of, of wow. Hoppiness. So that that some of those so so that some of those beers are bitter is just based on how much hops they're they're adding. So 120 minute is the most bitter of those beers. 60 minute is the least bitter of those beers. And they achieve that by adding more hops to the 120 minute. Okay. So that's why it's becoming more bitter, but they're also, it's a much sweeter beer too. Mm. And so the bitterness that you get from hops is balanced by a number of things in a beer, but primarily by the sweetness. Okay. So if you have a chocolate bar, so are you guys, do you guys like Hershey's chocolate? You want to eat a Hershey's kiss? You want to eat a uh, uh, Nestle's Toll House chocolate chip, which is semi-sweet chocolate, or do you want uh, like a seventy percent dark chocolate uh, bar or a ninety percent dark chocolate bar? What are you guys in the mood this, for right now? This this is a trick question. <laughs> There's no all, wrong. All, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, you're sort of taking the the, uh, the dogfish head approach of, of getting all of the maximum amount of bitterness <laughs> and the maximum amount of flavor. So, Maddie, how about you? I mean, I go. I like dark chocolate, so I'd go. Okay. I'd go with the more bitter. 
probably the 70 percent. the 90 okay. might be a bit much but the 70 Natty. but also but also you know once i found out that hershey's had vomit flavor in it i've, I've had to not <laughs> you said the vomit I've, flavor I've on, well they got that extra flavoring this is a whole separate thing with like <laughs> europeans especially hate it because they put in that like whatever that ingredient that has like vomit flavor in it in the what? chocolate i've never i've never, never do you guys not know I've about this of, do you not, I've never rich, you don't know i feel like I, I feel like rich must know that. are you talking about no, there's like some yes yeah 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 um they add that I don't know why they're at. Is it a preservative? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think. It I don't know why they're throwing it in there, but I, but I, but it has like a little bit, a tweak of like a vomit flavor. And I remember. What are you talking about? Think, a vomit flavor. I, I, I think I watched something where like a, it was like a European, like some. I think it was a Belgian like chocolate maker went on like a rant about like Americans and their chocolate and what they add to it and stuff like that. And it was about how like Hershey's adds like the vomit flavor and it tastes like vomit <laughs> once ever now whenever I don't know. Go taste a Hershey's and there's a weird you're, little no, like you're, you've ruined Hershey's for go, me. Oh, there's a weird little aftertaste to it. That's, that's gonna taste. Hilarious. You'll get a little bit of that. At, I think it is, yeah, that acid. At the very least, maybe it doesn't taste like vomit. or I think it's associated with vomit because it is in vomit. Yeah, butyric acid is in vomit, but it's in a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Rich. But, thank you, Rich, for making but it's, that. It's a, but there is like that. But there is, a, there is a taste there. And I think uh, when you taste like a very good, a little bit of a nicer chocolate, there's, it doesn't have Maddie, that Maddie, you're, you're, ruining, you're ruining chocolate for uh, Hershey's for me. Rich. <laughs> Rich asked the question. Rich. <laughs> Rich when... But there's also like also in a brewing process you can when when, when you dry hop something what what mm-hmm. is uh, like are, are are you still getting uh, the the bitterness there or or I mean no. and, what, and what process that's when that that's when you're that's like vomiting in a beer that's when you get all the vomit character <laughs> in beers from dry hopping some so, people like that some people right, like Hershey's yeah. that's just how how it goes uh, Larry thank you for trying to move us forward here. Uh, <laughs> So, well, no, I was just—I was just tired of talking to. He's messing up my Hershey. I got a Hershey's chocolate bar over here, and I can't wait to eat. Now I got to think about a vomit. Well, so the, the Hershey's thing—the Hershey's—the uh, the chocolate analogy I was trying to bring up is, you know, the the amount of sweetness that is in a beer is balanced by the amount of bitterness that's in the beer. And so, the more it's possible that you can have a lot of bitterness in a beer and a lot of sweetness, and so the beer becomes very intense. It's got a lot of flavor, a lot of character, and a lot of intensity, but it's not overly bitter. Like, it might have 100 IBUs. IBUs stands for International Bitterness Unit, and it's a way of measuring the amount of isomerized alpha acid that's in a beer. So it's a way of calculating the bitterness, but you can have a lot of sugar in that beer, too, and it won't end up tasting overly bitter. It has internal balance, uh, even though it's a highly bitter beer. And so that's kind of where I'm going with the the chocolate stuff. Like, uh, if you, you know, a lot of people think, um, something like, you know, chocolate chips, which are semi-sweet chocolate, are really uh, sweet. And other people think they're a lot more bitter just because they're more bitter than something like a Hershey's bar or Hershey's Kiss. Uh, the fact is, chocolate is a combination of cocoa solids, which are usually very bitter and also have a lot of aroma, and sugar. And so that sugar softens or tempers some of that bitterness. So um, anyway, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm going with, with this argument with beer. A lot of people say, oh, I only will drink beers that are, you know... 70 bitterness units and more, or I will never drink a beer that's that's more than 30 bitterness units because I don't like bitterness. That's only part of the equation. You know, the perception of bitterness is built on the bitterness that's in there, but also the sweetness and sometimes the acidity and the carbonation and the, the proteins, the mouthfeel, all that stuff. So beer is super complex and it can't be uh, um, reduced to just one number. I think I had that misconception early on. Like I thought, I almost thought I didn't like hoppy beer. Like I didn't like hops. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I would, I was not a fan of 
not as big on like a West Coast IPA, like a super mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like a heavily bitter beer. I know that doesn't fully describe it, but but I think then as I got to know it, I actually do love the taste of hops. Like I think I Good. love that taste. Yeah. It's just kind of how it's used and how it's balanced. And when it's mm-hmm. balanced out right, yeah. like I really love it, and it is really really tasty, mm-hmm. and I love the aroma and everything in it. I hate the term bitter. Uh, bitter sorry, I hate the term hoppy to yeah. describe beer because it doesn't mean and, anything. And I hate the term balanced out right because it's balanced out right for you, like. Yeah, I, I like a I like a good hoppy hoppy West Coast mm-hmm. IPA. Well, yeah. take the sub take the subjectivity out of that, yeah. uh, Larry. If you like that West Coast IPA, you like a beer that's out of balance, and that's not a bad thing. But balance is not really subjective, and whether you like yes. things that are balanced or lean bitter or full bitter or lean sweet or full sweet or whatever, you know that's that's all the subjectivity. Absolutely, but I, I mean, I like I like it balanced too. I'm just saying, mm. I could go either way. Yeah, I was well, just jabbing like me. Maddie like for lots saying. of flavor. And yeah. We're not as picky as Maddie. Maddie's really he's very a picky guy. Yeah, vomit flavor in your Hershey okay, bar. Taste vomit everywhere. I just <laughs> <laughs> vomit whisperer. Um, all right, let's talk about dry hops here. Yeah. So, so uh, we we talked about the boil, the boiling process. If you add hops at the beginning, you get all, a lot of bitterness and very little aroma. If you add hops at the end of the boil. You get a lot of aroma and not a lot of bitterness, but there's a caveat. You do get some bitterness because while you're not roiling the boil and breaking up the hops and all that, you're still adding them to a very hot liquid. Okay, The liquid, if it's 211 degrees and not technically mm. boiling, it's still pretty hot. And so it's going to drive off aroma and it's going to um, start to isomerize some of those alpha acids. Sorry, I keep talking about isomerization of alpha acids. It's, it's, too, it's too technical, but um, you're going to get some of that bitterness. An alternative to that is why don't we add hops to cold beer or to cold work or something like that, something that's not hot. And so that is the process of dry hopping. So dry hopping is one of many, many misleading, poor terminologies in beer. It doesn't refer to the dryness of the hops. It has nothing to do with drying. What it means is it's basically it's like cold hopping. Okay, so you're adding hops to a cold uh, fermenting beer or a finished beer and... um, and so you don't get any volatilization or driving off of the aromas of the hops. And you get a lot of, uh, you know, all that aroma stays in the beer. And then you don't get a lot of isomerization. So you don't get a lot of bitterness. You can get some bitterness if you add. So, so nowadays with things like, you know, double dry hopped, triple dry hopped, uh, you know, New England IPAs and things like that, you can get some bitterness from the hops. But it's a different sort of bitterness. It's actually not from isomerized alpha acids. It's from other things that are in the hops that, you know, hitherto for, you know, before 2010 or 2015, no one was ever putting that many hops, that many dry hops in a beer. So no one ever noticed that that dry hops could add bitterness. But But nowadays, well, I was just going to wrap that up and say nowadays we're adding so many hops to to our, our dry hopped beers that you do get a little bit of bitterness from them, but not a ton. But you're getting mostly aroma. Okay, so so just to just to kind of like clarify it, you're you're like at the brewery. They got a they got an IPA. They got something they're calling a double dry hopped IPA. Like, mm-hmm. what is the taste that I should expect from that dry hop? Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's so many variables, but like, what is the basic idea of what I should yeah. expect from the dry hopped one? Yeah, well, so of the 170 different hops out there, they all they are out there for a reason, and one of the big reasons is that they do have different aromas and different combinations of aromas. So depending on what what sort of hops you're adding for your dry hops, you're generally using them to get uh, lots of floral character. That's sort of the the consistent one. 
almost every hop smells like a flower because it is a flower. But some hops are really fruity and within fruity, some of them are really citrusy. Some of them are really tropical fruits. Some have like berry aromas like strawberry or blueberry, things like that. Um, so you get a lot of different fruits out of hops, but you can also get a lot of different, uh, well, some spices like black pepper is a big one. Sometimes white pepper, black pepper. Uh, you get a lot of different herbs, um, get a lot of, uh, yeah, mainly fruits, spices and herbs out of them and floral notes. So all that stuff gets added depending on the amount of dry hopping that is in there. Okay. And so the more, uh, if you, if you double dry hop or triple dry hop nowadays, you'll see that on, on cans, on beer labels, um, you end up with just tons and tons of the aroma of whatever hops you've added to that beer. So that's, that's the idea. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I understand the, I understand the concept of dry hopping, but when you say uh, double dry hopping, triple dry hopping, are you, are you mm-hmm. just adding, are you just dry hopping a difference like in the, like in the primary and then in the secondary fermentation mm-hmm. or is that the story or? What? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be, if you're going to be good about it, yeah, you should double dry hopping implies that you are adding uh, hops at multiple times, maybe on <clears throat> day two of the fermentation Okay, when the okay. beer is at like 70 degrees and there's a lot of yeast activity. So you can get something called biotransformation. Uh, which occurs when yeast starts to metabolize some of the things that are in the hops. And so they create new flavors. It gets really interesting stuff. And then you can also add hops again at day 10 of fermentation. You know, when the, when the fermentation is over, the beer is just cooling down and the beers are like, you know, 40 degrees or something. You can do that if you're going to be honest about it. I think a lot of breweries nowadays that double dry hop, they're just doing it all at once, but they're just adding twice the number of hops that I they see. would have added back in 2015 or something. It's pretty loosey-goosey. But if you see DDH on a beer, double dry hopped, you are for sure going to get just a, a face full of you know, nice hop aromas. Okay? Got it, got but it. How they exactly did it, I, I can't promise. Got it. The idea that like when you smell hops out in the field you know, at harvest time, they hopefully smell incredible. Uh, they should smell like flowers and fruit and, and herbs and whatever else that variety of hops should smell like. Uh, but they also can smell really green and grassy because the, since they're alive, you know, they're on the vine, um, they have tons of, excuse me, tons of chlorophyll in them and tons of other kind of green, grassy, resinous flavors to them because they're just at the peak of their freshness. And so there are a lot of beers that are brewed nowadays that are called fresh hop beers or wet hop mm-hmm. beers. And that implies that you are using hops that have been picked within, you know, like 24 hours of, uh, you know, so you're using them, you know, the hops are only 24 hours old, basically, since harvest. And so that's super expensive because unless you live, you know, in Yakima, your breweries in Yakima, your breweries in, you know, in the, the um, you know, Hollertau Valley of Bavaria, you have to ship those hops to wherever your brewery is. And so you have to cold ship them, get them in your, in your brewery ASAP. And so that's really expensive. Uh, and so wet hop beers or fresh hop beers are a really fun thing that occur right after harvest, but they're often pretty limited quantity and pretty expensive because of that. Um, but they are fun for, for brewers to brew. They're fun for, for uh, the consumer, obviously, for people to drink. So it's not like the opposite of dry hopped is wet hopped. Like there's, no. there's a non, there's a neither. Like most, a quote unquote, typical beer is neither. Well, well, right? yeah. Or... I mean, typical, typical beer is neither, except nowadays in craft beer in the United States, with New England IPA and West Coast IPA being the number one and number two beers that are okay, sold. Okay, not typical. That's a like... lot of beers that are, are dry gotcha. hopped. But yeah, okay. it's atypical that they're wet hopped. Okay. But if you wanted, all right, so Maddie, you live in Yakima, you have a brewery, hmm. and you have just uh, brewed a beer, and it's September 15th, and the harvest has just come in, and it's time for you to dry hop that beer in uh, in the fermenter. 
what could you do? Putting you on the spot here. Wait, what do you mean, what could I do? Well, linguistically, where am I leading you? Okay, you've got a fermenting beer. It's harvest time in Yakima. Your brewery's in Yakima. You walk down, oh, I'd wet hop. down the dirt you mean, lane. What? Yeah, what you just said. It would, <laughs> wait. Putting you on the spot here. It's, a, it's just a funny term. Larry, can you can you come up with this? you got to ask me the question. I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> You're off Googling in Hopland. What if you have a whole lot of wet hops yeah. on your hands and you okay. have a beer that's fermenting? You have an IPA that's in the tank and mm-hmm. it's day two of fermentation. Yeah. You might want to add some hops to the tank. What could you do? You could dry hop it, right? With? Just, your wet hops. You just yeah. take the wet hops and dry hop it. Yeah. You take yeah. the wet hops and you go, these are fresh. Within 24 hours, I'm going to pop okay, it into this. You throw this. them in. Okay. You throw them in and you dry <laughs> hop it. Yeah. I didn't know where you were so leading Larry me. Gets I was the, try- <laughs> Larry gets the prize Hershey's bar. So yes, you can. No, I know that, that's that was why I wasn't paying attention because I was looking at my chocolate bar over here. Like, <laughs> God damn it, how am I going to enjoy this? Now? You can. <laughs> the upshot of this is that you can dry hop with wet hops. Gotcha. Okay, that's what you're going. Now, um, now can I ask a question? I don't know if you're you if you're gonna if we're gonna go to this spot, but you know, right now when we're talking about hops, we're talking about how they look as pine cones and and all this kind of thing. But like you know, when I used to homebrew. You know, you're getting these pellets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how, how, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have an uh, assumption of what has happened to get to the pellets, but what, what is that process and, and what is that? Like, I mean, you're just mm-hmm. like basically grinding it down to like its base form or something? Yeah. So it's just a physical process. You're just, just grinding it down exactly and pelletizing it. There are a lot of resins that are in hops that are sticky. And so if you grind up a hop and then smush it together, it's sort of like making a hamburger patty or something like that. It sort of sticks together. And if you do it under a little bit of heat with a really high pressure machine, you can create these really tight, compact little little pellets. And the purpose of that is you are reducing the surface area of the hop matter that's, you know, reducing the surface area, therefore reducing the amount of potential oxidation. So the oxygen that's in the air is really happy to change the the chemical components of of hops. And so if instead of having a bunch of flowers with a bunch of, you know, petals and leaves and things on them. Technically, they're called bracts with, with hops. But, you know, instead of having a lot of surface area on those, if you smush it up and compact it into a little pellet, then it has a lot less surface area. A lot of the, the hop matter is inside the pellet protected, and only the exterior part of the pellet might be, might be exposed to some oxygen. You want hops to be as fresh as possible, and you don't want them oxidized. If they have oxidized at all, they typically smell cheesy or maybe like sweaty socks or sweaty feet. So there's an aroma, uh, a, a chemical called isovaleric acid that's produced naturally during um, oxidation of, of hop compounds. And it also occurs naturally, uh, a lot of bacteria that lives in dark, wet places like our shoes and socks and things like that, the locker room floor, you can smell it. It also occurs in a lot of cheeses. So if you're a fan of Parmesan mm. cheese or mm. Telegio or Red Hawk or something like that, there's a lot of isovaleric in those. But and you could you could probably work that into a, a beer. Like somebody has worked that into an effective <laughs> beer style, I you bet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if it's been effective yet. Oh, but okay. I should say isovaleric acid being being an acid can be esterified by certain yeasts, especially Britannomyces yeast, into something called ethyl isovalerate. Iso, iso that's, that's what it is. Ethyl isovalerate that smells nice and fruity, a little bit like 2D fruity. So it's sort of like bright, candy-ish, tropical hop or tropical um, fruit uh, combination. So isovaleric is unpleasant on its own, but uh, we do tolerate it in cheeses. And it can be a nice component of certain lambics and certain other beers that are fermented with 
Brutanomyces. So, so let's let's let's, out. let's get broad and, and philosophical. And this is also per, a personal. There's a subjective quality to this. But Rich, to you, what is the definition of beer? Wow, Maddie, <laughs> I didn't I didn't wake up ready to answer this one. Uh, to me, beer is all right. I, I typically go the very strict um, technical side of this, which is it's any fermented beverage where the fermentation was fueled by grain. Cool. So that's a pretty open yeah. thing. It doesn't involve hops. That's what that's yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. So you like and and that's to that end like because we talk about I've, we've we've probably dropped this before. Like we always say like oh sake is a beer technically. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah technically. Could you make a sake with hops? Would that work? Can we can we throw yeah. some hops in that bad boy? You could. Is, yeah. Do people do that? I have not seen it, but hops are being added to a lot of different things right now. A lot of different uh, sodas, tonics, um, uh, certainly seltzers, sparkling water, things like that. So it's not only for beer. And I haven't seen a hopped wine yet, but mm-hmm. it, you know who knows? It could be out there. Yeah. And I don't think that there are a lot of producers in you know traditional producers in Japan that are making hopped sake, but. Other than the laws and cultural expectations of what sake should taste like, I don't think there's any reason that hops wouldn't work in in sake. I wouldn't want to add them for bitterness, but I think dry hopping with with you know hops and sake. Uh, could yeah. be well, a just because I think of like yeah, because there are floral always a lot of like floral. Yeah, good. there's a lot of like floral notes in sake anyway, and all sorts of. Yeah, yeah, it seems like, it, it, seems like it was fit, and that's why I was I was wondering. Yeah, yeah you guys. Did I didn't you know guys if the rice had sake in Japan. We had some good stuff. I think the best oh, the best did. sake we had, especially, was that we would, just any like tasting menu that we had when there was uh, like, there be like a psalm that would just be like, uh, and also every time I would like try to remember the sake and just completely <laughs> completely forget by the end. So, uh, uh, it was uh, so good. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. it's incredible. Uh, I, I, I have a question too, and I just I actually stumbled upon this when I was uh, doing research on the last episode, uh, but the the dust on the on the hops. Mm-hmm. The lupulin powder, yeah, yeah, yes, and like mm-hmm. that. That brewers are sometimes ordering just the powder itself and mm-hmm. using it. Right. Is, is that something that's new? Is that like a, I mean, like I just, just yeah, it's, it. it, it's super new. So, so the idea is that the lupulin, you know, the, the lupulin glands uh, end up producing this. You know, they're yellow in color and they're this like sticky. Uh-huh. Uh, resiny thing and if you open up if you're lucky enough to ever see a hop flower or hop cone um, while it's fresh you can split it like grab it kind of longitudinally on both sides with your thumbs next to each other and then split your hands apart you split open the hop cone and you can look down the center of it and you'll see all like where the little bracts or these petals attached to the central central strig in the middle is uh, this profusion of yellow uh, sticky stuff, um, and that's the lupulin, and those are the lupulin glands, and it's not powdery yet. I know we're talking about powder, um, but that's where the concentration of all the stuff that brewers care about is. Okay, so that is where the alpha acids are for for your bitterness. That's where your beta acids are for your preservative properties, and that's where all the oils and the aromas are as well, the terpenes. And so that's that's all. That's the jackpot. That's what you want. Got it. Got it. The rest of it, it's sort of like uh, it's like shake. Okay, it's like it's not the it's not the best part. It's not it's not what you're there for. It's just all this leafy matter. And so if you um, if you like in the old days, not the old days, maybe 20 years ago, if you brewed a beer that was super super hoppy, you know, you added tons of hops to it for bitterness and aroma and all that. You also got a lot of that kind of vegetative matter, all that leafy matter. Uh, and so that can add a little coarseness. That can add grassiness. It just can add some sort of distracting flavors. Um, and so 
hop processing companies have created products now. They're called advanced hop products. Uh, and they're kind of expensive because the companies have to do all sorts of stuff to the hops to, to get all these other, um, other aromas and other characters from them. But what they can end up doing is under really cold, um, you know, laboratory situations like cryogenically, they can, uh, the hop becomes really brittle because it's so damn cold. And the lupulin powder also, or sorry, the lupulin glands also get really brittle as well. And so you can end up um, kind of roughing up the hop and all the stuff kind of flakes apart. And so you can blow away or, you know, like just, just with a little burst of air, you know, like blow away all the, all the vegetative matter and you're left with the heavier stuff, the denser stuff, which is all the lupulin. And because it's so cold, it sort of looks powdery. Uh, but at that point, yeah, you can, you can sell that stuff and brewers will, you know, eat it up <laughs> figuratively and uh, be able to add it to their beers and get tons of concentrated hop aroma or hop bitterness or whatever they want from it without all that vegetative matter. Okay. So long explanation. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. I was, I was curious. I was curious. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of your favorite beers out there, a lot of your favorite super hoppy beers, um, super bitter, super aromatic beers are brewed with advanced hop products. And for a long time, they were the sort of the provenance of the biggest breweries out there. So Miller, Miller Lite, you know, Bud Light, all that stuff was brewed with um, with hop extracts for uh, the sake of economy. Basically, you know, it was just a way of, of producing these beers with more. Um, technical uh, consistency and adding hops in the the you know cheapest way they, they could and so these things got a bad rap and some of them were uh, stabilized too so that um, like a row extract RHO extract was light stable so that you couldn't uh, the, the beer wouldn't skunk so it's, it's hop compounds that end up getting skunked when they get irradiated by light and so if you ever had a skunky Corona or skunky Heineken that's light getting in there and shaking up those hop compounds and and turning them skunky. But so large breweries like, um, you know, like Miller Genuine Draft, I know, was packaged for a long time in clear glass. And so uh, the beers would skunk until they started using this row extract, um, which made it so they couldn't skunk. And so wow. the point of this being that advanced hot products for a long time, the 60s, sorry, not 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, were the provenance of these large breweries and beers that didn't typically have a lot of flavor or character. And so brewers, you know, or craft beer geeks, you know, kind of look down their nose at these things. But nowadays... Uh, advanced hop products are being used in all sorts of amazing beers. And one that's near and dear to my heart, Pliny the Elder, uh, uses uh, uh, some of these CO2 extracts as well. I just drank so. some Pliny last night. Oh, I'm I just drank some Pliny last night. <laughs> um, I, have, I have one more question. I know we're, I, I just have another question. Okay, you're going to have to edit this out. I just forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> Do not edit it out. I know what happened. I'm not going. I'm definitely not going to edit it out. It was a great question. It was a great question. It was and good. literally, I, I had it and I lost it immediately. <laughs> then I guess, let me move it over. And Rich, I have this chart in front of me um, that you made. Just kind of the general flavors to expect from the different hops. Um, do you kind of want to talk about that? How it's by, it seems like regionally, there's like specific flavor mm -hmm. profiles that each region sort yeah. of has. So basically there are, there are hop aromas or like groups of hop aromas that are associated with certain regions, uh, certain hop growing regions. And so if you are using hops, and again, this is for aroma, not yeah, for sorry, aroma. Yeah, yeah. I said yeah. taste, I think, but, yeah, but I meant using aroma. hops for aroma uh, and they come from Germany and the Czech Republic, Poland, um, Slovenia, places like sort of in central Europe. Uh, the hops typically are known for being very herby and peppery, uh, uh, nice and floral also, but 
kind of savory with those kind of black pepper and and uh, thyme and mint aromas, maybe a little eucalyptus. Uh, and then if you are using uh, English hops, um, you end up typically with aromas of like tea, you know, like black tea and wood. Oh, I should say green tea also for the, the continental ones, the Central Europe. So you got green tea out of the German ones. You got black tea, um, Earl Grey tea, a little bit of a uh, little bit of citrus, a little bit of floral, a little bit of apple, maybe out of the, the British ones. Um, and also, this doesn't sound good, but I find it delicious. A little bit of cheesiness, and I don't mean that isovaleric Parmesan stinky foot cheese, but it's a little bit of this like savory, mushroomy, fermented cheesiness that you get out of certain English hops um, in certain English beers, and it's it's delightful. Um, and then American hops typically are known for being, well, let's see, they're kind of two generations of American hops. Well, they're literally three, but uh, the, the main one that put American craft beer on the map in the 80s and 90s uh, middle of the 2000s, those are a lot, those are your classic sea hops, um, cl uh, not cluster, sorry, that's generation one, um, Chinook, Cascade, Centennial, and Columbus. Those are the big four classic sea hops. Those are known for being love grapefruit. Yeah, great, Larry, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, lots of grapefruit, orange, um, uh, pine, uh, marijuana. Um, if you're looking for it, there's a little bit of scallion in there, a little onion or garlic, mm -hmm. green onion sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but in general, we're talking flowers, orange, grapefruit, pine. And then uh, more modern American hops, um, as well as a lot of New Zealand hops, have all sorts of different tropical fruits and all sorts of different citrus fruits. Um, then you get into some of the other stuff like berries, uh, cherries, um, you know, things like that that aren't typically associated with hops. Coconut, uh, there's, a, there's a hop called Sabro that has kind of a notable kind of mm. lime and coconut thing, sort of like a key lime pie thing. It's it's delicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm skipping over New Zealand also. New Zealand and um, Australia, uh, they're the ones that really sor sort of started to show uh, American hop growers and American brewers that um, these newfangled flavorful hops weren't all about citrus. They could also be about citrus and uh, tropical fruits. So things like... Um, like Nelson Sauvin certainly smells just like open up a bottle of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc wine. It smells like lychee and kiwi and mm. uh, guava and papaya um, and lime. It's just, it's a beautiful hop. Um, also has a little bit of a kind of a petrol or diesel note to it, which some people don't <laughs> like. But um, if you like aged Riesling wines, then uh, you're thinking. Sounds good to that. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old diesel Larry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so obviously you're getting just tons and tons of different amazing aromas. Um, you get a really nice cedary aroma out of Sriracha Ace hops that, that were bred in uh, Japan in the 1970s. Um, Galaxy from uh, Australia, it's the most famous Australian hop, known for just huge uh, aromas of lemongrass. Mm. Um, so yeah, just lots of really fun things that weren't really available um, back in the, you know, even in the 1980s, these hops were just, there, there weren't that many different hop varieties that were grown for all these different aromas. Um, talking to Mark Carpenter, uh, one of the um, kind of the original brewmaster at uh, Anchor Brewing in the 1960s and 70s after Fritz bought it in 1965. He said that, you know, selling things like, um, well, certainly Anchor Steam because it was really bitter, but also uh, uh, Liberty Ale, the sort of the proto-American IPA, um, was impossible. No one wanted beer to taste like this. They didn't want beer to. So, so Liberty Ale is, is a single hop beer made with uh, all Cascade. Um, as is uh, um, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which came out in 1980, uh, you know, selling these beers was impossible because the, the market wasn't ready for it. Beer was supposed to taste like grain and maybe some malt and just be kind of light and fizzy and not have a lot of intensity to it. So what's all this grapefruit doing in there? You know, I personally don't really enjoy drinking hard seltzer that much because I really like the full flavor that you get from beer. 
but there's nothing wrong with the intensity that you get on hard seltzer of all these interesting fruit aromas, you know, and that's that there just wasn't a market or a palette for that 40, 50 years ago. And it's craft brewers that really helped to, to develop those, um, develop that palette, develop that market and get people excited about all this stuff. And so now, you know, every hop farmer and hop, hop breeding program, you know, around the world is off to the races with also new, new hybridization of, of trying to find hop, you know, new unique hop aromas and hop flavors. And there's room for it now in beer when there wasn't room for that 50 years ago. No one wanted beer to taste like that. Now we can't, can't wait for the next new thing. Yeah. And obviously like fresher is probably always better, but do how well do hops travel? Like I, I, I feel like when we were in, when we were in Europe, it felt like it was an asset to have all those European hops nearby <laughs> the breweries, but is yeah. it how, how worthwhile is it to ship some, uh, you know, a hop from Germany over to California? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hops are, they're always better, fresher, but, um, you know, nowadays with the, you know, artificial refrigeration and uh, air shipping and, uh, you know, a good cold chain, you know, we're all learning about cold chain, learning about all these, uh, these um, uh, vaccines we have to uh, take for, for mm-hmm. COVID, you know, the cold chain for hops is really, really important, but it's well established. And so, um, you know, also packing hops, you know, pelletizing them helps. So you're reducing the amount of surface area, um, packaging them in, um, you know, airtight bags, usually they're mylar bags, like a mylar balloon, you know, those helium balloons, it's like a big silvery bag. And then they're flushed with nitrogen to flush out all the air and all the oxygen. And then they're vacuum sealed and then they're kept refrigerated. So, you know, you know, when I've opened up new breweries, it's kind of hard sometimes depending on the, the squeeze and the, the hop, you know, the economic um, uh, economics of hops. There's certain times where it's just like it's hard to get hops uh, just because there's so many breweries that are opening. And maybe last year was a bad year for hops. They, they just didn't have a lot of yield or something like that. And so it's not been uncommon where I'll call up a, a hop provider and they'll say oh you don't have a contract you're screwed i can't get you anything from from last year you have to buy hops that are two or three years old and so i've done that before and most of the time they're fine you know they're kept refrigerated you know they they have a shelf life now which is fantastic um i also don't typically brew particularly hoppy beers in the first place i tend to brew kind of old school european styles that's what i really like to drink too sounds Uh, delicious (laughs) that sounds delicious oh and then another question a question for larry either way larry what's good did you think of that question yet? <laughs> no, man. No, man. Okay. And I've been sitting over it. it was a good ass question, too. <laughs> I feel like I, I looked over you while Rich was talking a couple of times. It looked like you were like, what was that question? It was crazy. I could see, see you trying to think. It was crazy. It was on the tip of my tongue as I was saying it. And literally before it came out of my mouth, it just like, <laughs> it just disappeared. So I have no fucking clue. But it was a great question. The listeners I'm are the sure ones who's going to suffer. <laughs> I'm so yeah, they'll be bummed to hear this. Oh my god! <laughs> Anything else you want to say about hops? I mean, I know I yes, say, there is more. I would say we're scratching the surface. Of course, you I have something to say. I oh, cannot wait. I cannot wait to hop to Bozeman, Montana, and have a beer <laughs> with you. To have a beer with you, Rich. And also, I can't wait to skip and hop down the street and have a drink with you maddie we need to hit a brewery up soon we need yeah. to hit one of these la brewery we got we got you we should we got tons of good ones Larry, uh the feeling's mutual uh, I, I can't wait to to see you guys soon and uh drink yeah. some beers it's be good yeah yeah and i'll say it's, it's funny great. like i don't know it's I just my personal comment terry there's there's the, the brewery i like best in la um kind of near downtown is uh is highland park brewery and i've seen like a lot of their beers have like galaxy galaxy hops yes. they use a lot i think i've seen a lot of mosaic mm-hmm. Um, yep. in there and obviously these other ones too and i feel like i gravitate towards those and i like the beers a lot ultimately though i 
does it have anything to do with the hops or is it that it's also just this quality brewery that I like the beer of in general? Like it's, it's both, man. Okay. It's both. I mean, it's, it's more than that too. It's, it's three things. First of all, the hops, you know, those are good hops. Those are fun hops and they're, they, it's not hard to use them well because they're such characterful hops. Um, but you know, beer's not just about the hops. It's about a lot of different things. Yeah. It's about, you know, the ingredients, but it's also about the process, the fermentation, the freshness. Are they serving the beers through clean draft lines? You know, that sort of stuff matters. But also the third most important thing is just the emotionality of it. Are you having a good time there? Do you walk in there and feel good before you even order that beer, before you taste that beer? Or are you sort of like, oh, I don't know about this place, you know? The, the emotionality of this makes it hilarious almost to talk about these beers in some <laughs> Psycho- sort of a psychological way. element. It's so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's such a mind game going on. There's so many yeah. different mind games going on. So that's a, that's fun. I will say the moment the three of us get together for a beer, we're going to like that uh, beer. Whatever that beer is, oh, I think it's going to be. Oh, man. Again, I sure hope so. What is gonna, it, yeah, tastes, hope so. it tastes like butyric. <laughs> it tastes like. Um, all right. Three, three takeaways about hops. Yes. They are overrated. Hops are overrated. Okay. Because a beer has so many different things going on in it than just hops. Okay. Hops are just herbs. You only add just a touch to most beers or you can double dry up and just pour you know thousands of dollars into a beer and uh, it's like what you know they're just not the most important part about most beers okay it's like adding like a a pinch of herbs to a soup or a sauce what rich but we just talked about hops for a long time they're overrated hops are underrated oh hops are both overrated and underrated okay hops are super super important to a beer's personality Ah. okay even if you don't think you like bitter beers you sure need hops in a beer to make it balanced to help, uh, to help sort of form the foundation. Oh, Larry's got something. What do you got, Larry? Think of the question. No, I re- I remembered it, and I realized <laughs> I realized why I forgot it because it's not that it's not the but 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 <laughs> but you know I just want I think we've talked about this in another episode. But the whole the whole um you know you're talking about how hops also help preserve the beer, but the whole like history of IPAs and that's why because it was being shipped we said that that was debunked right that's not yes. that's yeah. not accurate it wasn't yeah. they were packing it with with hops so that it would preserve to the troops yeah. it there was right. another thing they, they did not know that that was happening when they were adding a lot of hops to those beers and there were a lot of uh beers that arrived in india in great shape that were not particularly highly hopped uh that were also low in alcohol so there's not a real uh correlation between Highly uh, higher hopping rates as well as high alcohol making the IPA better in India in the 1800s. Got it. So, so the term IPA just comes from the fact that a lot of those beers that went there were very like uh, were were overly. Hot. I'm, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to understand where what the origin. Yeah, was. The, the easiest takeaway about that is that uh, that sort of beer, so a paler ale that wasn't you know dark as a porter okay a paler ale uh that happened to have a lot of hops added to it was going gangbusters in india and it didn't get that name india pale ale until it's it started to be served and sold in the uk okay so in england so it started being sent over to to india in the 1890s and it didn't get popular in the uk until 18 sorry in the 1790s, it started going to India. It didn't get popular in the UK until the 1820s, when all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, what is this amazingly different beer that's been going gangbusters in India for 30 years? And it was brewed in England, but why didn't we get it here? But, and obviously, and obviously you, you weren't there at the time, but why would they be <laughs> brewing it and sending it there if it wasn't something that people there were drinking? 
It was sort of like one of those uh, companies that's just, it's in the right place at the right time slash it's set up to be an exporting company only. Okay. So it's like, it's like how products in, you know, say in the U.S., like, you know, we're excited about German beers, okay? But maybe there's a, a brewery in Germany that's sending this stuff, but it's really owned by Americans and they don't actually brew the beer for Germany. They just brew it in Germany. So I, I understand. Here okay. And say, hey, I'm from Germany. So we're excited about yeah. it. Yeah. You I, know, it, it, the, the company, the, that first company was called Bows Brewery. Uh, and George Hodgson was the original owner of it. He basically had this sweetheart deal with the East India Company where he made it so that he, he got a contract where he was the only. Um, this is bullshit. I can't. No, this doesn't make sense. I'm, I have, must have some of these facts wrong. But anyway, well, he, he, his brewery was one wharf over, one dock over from the East India Company. So he could get his beer onto the boats really yeah. easily. I was going to say I, he had a sweetheart contract where he was the only one. But what, what, what led him to use well, here, like, Larry, I will say but, there's actually a really great resource about this. There's, this, okay, there's, there's an episode of a podcast you might want to listen to and look it up. It's called Liquid Bread. And they did an episode, <laughs> they did an episode on IPAs. I know, I know, I know, this. I know. Okay, I don't have to go deep into it. But anyway, I just wanted to get that out since we were talking about hops. Thank you, Maddie, vomiting my chocolate. <laughs> you, you just vomited in my chocolate again, but it's all good. <laughs> Hey, I'm and encouraging you to try better chocolate. Wait, I think there's a third takeaway coming. Can oh, we get yeah. It? yeah. There is a third takeaway. Thank you, Maddie. All right, folks, don't say hoppy. Okay, that's the third takeaway. Because hops are not just about bitterness or just about aroma. Okay, talk about, be specific. If you like hops because you like the bitterness, uh, that's great. If you like hops because you like the aroma, that's great. If you're like an IPA because you want bitterness, you probably want a West Coast IPA. If you want uh, an IPA because you like the aroma, you probably want a New England IPA. Okay, so so hops are behind all of this. They're the link uh, that connects all these things. But um, don't just say hoppy, okay? Because hops are not only mm-hmm. a one-trick pony. So there, I'll try. Like I'll try. I like that. I'll do my best. I like that. Awesome. Well, that's hops, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the hip hop happening hop episode. Um, Rich, thank you so much for this lesson. We covered a lot here. Do you have anything uh, you want to plug? Uh, I want to plug hoppy beers, whatever those are. Oh. Well, is there a beer that you would recommend not for hoppy to be hoppy, but is there a good beer that like what this is an insane question that I'm throwing in there. Um, to, to to show someone a hop flavor. If you want to show someone like, okay, this is what a hop does to a beer. Um, I would say go for any sort of West coast IPA and any uh, new England IPA side by side. Okay. Those are two styles of beer that are easy to find nowadays. So just try them side by side and you will notice the effect of, unbalanced overwhelming bitterness in the west coast and i that's not a bad thing i think it's delicious um and you will notice uh the sort of the the lack of balance of a lot of new england ipas where they're they err on the side of being too soft almost rather than being too aggressive but yeah lots of aroma in uh in that new england style great and uh larry do you have anything to plug talented mr bates but i also want to shout out (laughs) um jeffrey hedrick my my homie in the shy that got me some um, zombie dust nice. uh, while I was up there. And it was re- really, really, really good. Uh, so I just appreciate you. That's, that's it. That's three, three Floyds? What's that? Yeah, three Floyds. Three Floyds. Three yeah. Floyds, yeah. It was very, very good beer. And uh, put me up on some of it. So it was great. Awesome. Great. Um, awesome. If you have any questions for Rich, questions about pairings, suggestions for uh, tastings, um, let us know at liquidredpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, liquidredpod, Instagram, liquidredpod. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And until next time, happy beer! Happy, happy beer! I might try happy hopping. 
Happy bearding. Happy hopping. Hop is going nowhere.